do you want it or not? Uh-huh. And if you want it, don't give me whiny reasons why you can't get there. Yep. Um, and what's, I know vulnerability does sound like a weak word, but the relation, the relationships we seek, whether they're with colleagues, mm-hmm. um, deep friendships, children, spouses, whatever, cannot occur until that happens. Yeah. And that's what's dissatisfying to individuals, which is why co- people come to us for coaching. Yeah. Because they're like, you know, I, I, I'm alone in life. I have tons of money, but that's it. Yeah. And money cannot do the thing that relationships do. You cannot buy that. Welcome to the Four Fires Podcast, where we talk about winning in all four of the essential areas of life. And here's your host, Alan Kemper. Welcome to the Four Fires Podcast. This is Alan Kemper, and I am your host. Uh, this is the podcast where we talk about all things uh, Four Fires. Today we are talking with Dr. Greg Moffitt, uh, and specifically what we're going to dig into is the people fire. So um, as a brief introduction, Greg is an advisor uh, with myself uh, at Lead Advisors, uh, where we do a lot of executive coaching and um, and walk with people through the four fires. Um, and so Greg, why don't you give us a little bit of a background of your, you know, of your profession, you know, what led you to this point in your life uh, before we kind of dig into the content? Um, yeah, thanks, Alan. I um, got my Ph.D. in um, psychology, and I wanted to be a counselor from my undergraduate days, which I've had a private practice for almost 40 years. Work with children. Uh, that's my specialty, which may seem kind of distant, but as I go along, I think you'll see the, the, the union between all these pieces. Um, I've been a college professor for close to 40 years. Um, I, at my research area is violence and aggression. Worked at the FBI Academy for a decade or so and homicide investigation profiling, that kind of stuff. And what all these things have in common is understanding how people think mm-hmm. and how people relate and, you know, reading behavior. So how that brought me to you, I've always loved the application of my field in the business world. Um, I was saying back in the 80s when I was still a grad student, be nice to people, they'll work harder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, happy people produce. And nobody in the 80s was saying mm-hmm. that. But oddly, um, by the 90s or early 2000s, that was sort of standard fare. So when you told me about some of your research, I was super excited because it was right up my alley. And then I've, I've done some business consulting, but never quite like this. And what, what has sold me on this is the four fires. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and that, you know, you know, we, we go back a, a long way and, and, um, you know, that's one of the things that I think has been a neat, uh, overlap is that, uh, what we're able to do is to take our expertise from a lot of different areas and, and pour in and apply them to all of these four fires areas. Um, you know, I, one of the things we say, like, rarely do you find this four-dimensional man or woman in the wild, like by accident, right? right? Like, there's, uh, they're not, they're not running around and just popping up, you know, all over the place. If you see somebody that you really think is truly four-dimensional, um, it probably is because they've done an awful lot of work, yeah, um, and, and intentional work, um in all of these different spaces. And if you're, 
If you're a first-time listener, this is uh, the four fires. Just a quick review. Uh, we talk about our professional fire, and that's you know how do we how do we get good at our craft and and be able to convert that into some kind of cash. Um, we talk about our people fire, which is having strong and healthy relationships uh, with our friend group, with a same-sex friend group, but also uh, with our families. Um, and so how do we have our homes be a place of strength and not of stress? And then we have a physical fire, uh, that is your, your, your physical body and um, how levers that you can pull on how do we eat and how do we exercise. And then we talk about a purpose fire, which is ultimately this idea that you have a soul and uh, how you connect that soul with its creator and then how you live out um, the commitments that are a byproduct of your identity as a son or a daughter. Um, those are the four areas that we want to be working in. So, Greg, today, uh, today what I want to kind of dig into from a content perspective is this idea of the people fire. Um, you know, a lot of the people that we work with are, um, are work, we're working with them in the business context. And, and so sometimes those people fire these relationships are really important at work, but they're also really important at home. And I feel like, I mean, at least in the people that you're coaching and people I'm coaching, one of the nuts that I feel like that people often have a hard time cracking is this, you know, like, how do I win at relationships? Mm -hmm. And it's like what you were talking about. It's that ability to to read and understand behavior, what drives people. So let me ask you this question. If, if somebody just came to you and said, Hey, Greg, look, I'm, I'm just getting married or I really want to make my marriage better. What's like, where do you start? Like where, 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 where do you even go with this idea of I want to make for with someone who wants to make their relationships better, um, where would you where would you point someone? Well, we have to think about what does a good relationship look like, and that's a starting place. Sometimes, especially young people, have sort of unrealistic expectations of what a you know the perfect marriage or the perfect mm -hmm. friendship, and that's that may be an ideal to strive for, but it's not realistic. And I think most of us figure that out somewhere along the way. But we also tend to gravitate to the paths of least resistance, which is why in those four fires, businessmen tend to spend a lot of their energy <laughs> on the professional fire because that's where they feel comfortable. That's where they see success. And it's very tangible, it's, you know, jobs and money or whatever goes along with yeah. success. But you used a word a while ago, intentionality. All four fires require intentionality. So the starting place is just like you would in your business, and this is I do what I do when I coach. Yeah. Okay, where do you want your marriage to be in a year? What yeah. do you want to see? Um, Six-year plan, or excuse me, six-month plan, 12-month plan. Um, so whether it's your children, your friendship pool, um, your social life, any relationship, your spouse especially, mm. you've got to have some intentionality about that. Yeah. So it doesn't happen by magic. It doesn't happen by accident. Yeah. That's, so, so this idea of having a destination, like a, what's an what is, what is, what does a win look like? What does the ideal look like? Um, 
you know, we've got, uh, I would imagine that where you come from, like what you've experienced in terms of relationships, at least influences what you can even envision as possible. Yes, of course. Um, I think right now, 23% of, of households are single parent households, um, in the United States. So for somebody who's growing up and they're maybe not seeing a mom and dad, or they didn't grow up with a healthy mom and dad relationship for marriage. Um, where, where, how do you get that? Where, how do you go and like, find a model um is that the best path like like if somebody doesn't even know what good looks like where do you start that's really a great question and the answer is going to be tailored to the individual of course Mm -hmm. i I spoke at a men's conference just about a week ago and um, i cited for them a study that was done in a prison at 1200 prisoners and of those 1200 prisoners not one in the entire prison had a father at home when they were growing up wow that was stunning um Wait, say that again. Of 1,200 prisoners. Not one grew up with a father in the home. And, you know, men have a role in family. Women have a role in family. And I know there's a lot of, you know, discussion about the whole gender thing. But for for simplicity's sake, starting is in part recognizing what can be so Mm. um, and what can't. You don't take a sinking ship and suddenly have... Mm-hmm. a yacht yeah um you have to t- imagine what are your limitations and we are the culmination of our histories yeah. how we grew up what we saw our experiences and relationships so answering that question has to involve answer to those questions as well mm-hmm. so f- for a younger person uh mentoring is a great start individual counseling premarital counseling uh, for t- if we're talking about relationships but we're social creatures, and we want to socialize, even the ones like me who tend to be pretty introverted, to pretend that I don't need any relationships would be disingenuous. Yeah. And a lot of the folks we coach, that's what they pretend. Yeah. You know, I don't need it. I can do it on my own. Mm-hmm. And that is part of that formula. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think there that, there's a lot of truth to that. And, and one of the things you said earlier a minute ago was, uh, we we tend to gravitate into the areas yeah. where we feel the most success, um, and business is, is is meaningful and significant, but it can be. It has such a tangible scoreboard. Like yeah. I know when I've won, and I know when I've lost. And sometimes, you know, in your marriage or in your relationship with your kids, it's it's this intangible scoreboard. Um, I, I, so I want to I hit on this quote you just said. Um, we are the culmination of our history, um, and if that's true, which I think you know, we all of our thoughts and experiences, books that we've read, uh, then that would also mean that our future selves are a culmination of our past and our present. Between like like who I'm going to be ten years from now. Like between now and the next 10 years right. is the history for that part for 10 years from now, Alan. Correct. So, so it is this idea of being t- intentional with what I do now so that 10 years from now, the history that I am pulling from, it has, has, you know, some, 
it's more significant experiences. And that's the that's the intentionality component. Mm. You know, if you want to if you want to be healthier, you intentionally decide I'm going to change my lifestyle, not I'm going to diet for three weeks or yeah. six months or whatever, and then go back to doing the same stuff. It doesn't work. And you you mentioned, and I'm not sure if you want to go down this line, but um, measuring what a success look like in a relationship. The challenge is normal relationships are fluid. There there are ups and downs. There are rocky places, just like there is in business. Mm. But with business, you have a, a quarter, a fiscal year, a, you know, a number yeah. at the end. Yeah. We don't have that in relationships. But what we can do is look at the culmination of our days, weeks, and months. Are we are we moving? Mm. Are we getting better? Um, do I find myself more relaxed at home? Is my home a more peaceful place for mm. my kids than it was six months ago or a year ago? Not not a target of is it perfect? Do does everybody get along all the time? Because that's just not the way most life works. Right. Yeah. So it's it's the it's measuring the daily behaviors that are culminating into this this ideal and changing and eliminating and adding whatever it mm-hmm. needs to be tailored. But it's it's those intentional difficult things that. It's kind of like learning to drive a car. The very first time you get in, you have to think about yeah. everything you do until your good habits, assuming we have them, mm-hmm. that your good habits in the car become routine and you don't have to think about them anymore. But that doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. And the, the troubled folks who came with you know no father's home or whatever, like we were talking about a while ago, that's not insurmountable. It's just going to it's going to require a lot of intentionality in learning what wasn't learned in recognizing the deficits that are there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, I was, uh, I was talking to a client. One of my favorite parts of, of the work that we get to do is, um, we get to learn from the people that we, that we coach. Uh, and I was sitting with one of my clients and, and, uh, he said, Alan, here's, here's what I, here's my challenge with, the four, the people part of the four fires. He said, in my professional world, I'm in control. He said, I determine how much, how hard I work, uh, what books I read. Um, you know, the, the number of phone calls, sales calls I make, he goes in my physical fire, I determine whether I get up and I go to the gym or not. Um, and I control every bite of food that goes in my mouth. He said, in my purpose fire and how I connect with my creator, he goes, I get to decide how much time and energy I'm going to put into uh, connecting with my creator. And my creator always seems willing to be, to reciprocate. He said, in my people fire, I just feel like I don't have the control that I have in the other areas. And where we landed was like, yeah, maybe you have influence but you don't have control. So because I mean, because it's this whole other human that's on the other side of, of winning, right? It's, it, it really is the one of the four fires. That's a team sport. Um, so just as we, you know, we've got people who are listening to this podcast that are in totally different stages of life. Some of us are, um, newly married. Some of us have been married for decades uh, some of us have kids, some of us without kids. Um, you've spent some time thinking about, you know, how children develop. And um, 
for any of the the people out there who are early parents who are thinking, man, maybe I've got a, you know, my spouse and I are going to be great parents together. We really want to know how do we, how, how what, what can we do to, you know, create healthy relationships with our kids or developmentally, you know, what do we need to be sure that we're doing uh, to make sure that we are creating strong bonds with our kids so that we can have influence with them? Yeah, that's a great question. Let me let me answer a question you didn't ask first that relates to where you started. The unique thing about relationships is it's twofold. One, we do have control. We mm-hmm. we have control about how we behave, how we act, how we invest. We are in control of that. What's frustrating in the relationship is knowing that can be uh, non-reciprocated, uh, not appreciated, or other things that become hurtful. But secondly. The unique thing about relationships is it requires a vulnerability. Hmm. Intimacy always requires vulnerability, and that's what's hard, especially for people who are powerful in other Hmm. ways, to give that up. Um, Without that vulnerability, there is no intimacy or relationship. So when you're asking the question about your kids, nobody's the perfect parent. Mm -hmm. Relax. You're going to make mistakes. But... Your children will look back on their upbringing with the preponderance of the effect of your parenting skill. So unpack that. Um, I, my, I have a wonderful father. He's a great guy. He was raised in a very different era. Mm-hmm. Dad's job: work, mm-hmm. come home, and do what you want. Yep. So in my interaction with my father, literally, I almost remember nothing with my dad other than if I was in trouble. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that's not true. He's a good man. He Mm -hmm. was a good man, is a good man. Um, But the preponderance of our interaction was punitive. Mm -hmm. So when I was a dad, my Mm -hmm. kids were little, I wanted to be the perfect dad. I never wanted to miss a soccer game, a dance recital, a school party. My kids would have been fine if I'd missed a few of those things. But the preponderance of my effect on them is really what mattered. So if I'd missed a game here or there or a dance recital or whatever, that wouldn't have been the preponderance. I could have eased up on myself a bit is what I'm saying. So what do you do with your kids? If the preponderance of your interaction with them is nurturing, loving, discipline, and I mean that in the the Latin, discipline to teach, um, you're, you're guiding them, you're mentoring your child. That's the best you can do. But just like your spouse, they're human beings. They can make their own choices. Hmm. But you can create a, you can create an arena where certain outcomes are more or less likely. So it's almost like creating themes that you would hope that your children would. Oh, my dad was a great teacher. Yes. Or my dad was really engaged. Like like almost getting going through and saying, what do you want your children to say about you? That's that's a great way to phrase it. I, I had a home office. I still do, I guess. But my kids were growing up, and I made a rule for myself. I'm writing a book. I'm writing an article. I'm doing whatever work I'm doing. If my kids came into that office, I rarely shut the doors. Um, I would put what I'm doing down mm. and listen. Um, <laughs> if I couldn't. The world does not revolve just around my kids. There were times when I had to say, I really want to hear what you have to say, but I've got to finish this. Give me 15 minutes or something like that. Yep. Both both are important. But I wanted the preponderance of my interaction 
dads available. Mm. And I, I think my kids are adults. If you were to ask them, was your dad available to you? Mm. Um, I would be very surprised if they would deny that. Yeah. Well, and, and it sounds like, you know, from, from, you know, we're, would you say we are all a culmination of our history? And so you may have made, you know, it's interesting. Sometimes we become what our history tells us to become, but it sounds like you made maybe an intentional decision. That's part of that intentionality. I did. And I'm, of course, wasn't a perfect parent any more than my dad was, but I just made different mistakes probably. <laughs> right, yeah. But, you know, in his generation, there was no fathering. It, was just, mm-hmm. it wasn't even on the radar. It's a different 1940s and 50s just wasn't the case so there was no motivation necessarily to be that you know engaged dad or we're in a very different generation which i'm I'm glad i think it's it's healthier all around yeah i want to jump back to this thing that you you hit on because i like in our people fire you know we um we don't have control of how people respond to us but we what we desire is intimacy and you said intimacy was intimacy requires mm-hmm. vulnerability exactly okay so let's for someone who is walks into a workspace and they are in control and who you know in many of the other areas of their life feel powerful how do you tactically like what is an example of being vulnerable that varies by context and who it is some even in business some of the mm-hmm. good leadership material mm-hmm. says a good leader is real they're, they're vulnerable mm-hmm. they're willing to accept responsibility make mistakes or whatever mm-hmm. um, so even in that environment it's it's true it just looks very different yeah um, let, let me answer your question by giving you an example if if you have a friend and all you ever talk about is the weather movies mm-hmm. Uh, how your grass is growing, that requires no risk. So if you take mm. if you take 50 men, put them in a room, they don't know each other, they're going to talk about golf, sports teams, barbecuing, their boats, yep. nothing. <laughs> they're going to talk a lot there, about there's that. There's zero risk, zero risk. So I am a fireman, I am a lawyer or whatever. There's no risk in saying that. Because there's no risk, there's no vulnerability, those guys are going to leave that room. They won't know anybody's name, they, and they won't care. Yeah. It isn't they don't care about human beings. It's they, They've invested nothing, so move on. You take 50 women and put them in a room. An hour later, they'll know everybody's name. They'll know how many kids everybody has. Mm. They'll know everybody's birthday. They'll know whose marriage is on the rocks. There will be a box of Kleenex in a corner someplace. Because women, generally speaking, are willing to risk, willing to be vulnerable with one another way more mm. so than men. I mentioned earlier that, you know, I did profiling. One of the things that just drives me crazy when people talk about, um, like, serial crime, serial rapists, serial criminals, sometimes they get caught and people say, oh, there, I, I fished with him. He's a great guy. Well, he wasn't a great guy. He killed people. Right. Um, you didn't know him. I believe you that you sat in a fishing boat with him. But what did you talk about? Fish. Yeah. You did not know him. Yeah. So in that personality type is very, very difficult for them to be vulnerable because of some psychological issues. But for us in the normal world, looking at your spouse and being able to talk about which hope, which fear, yeah, um, you know, aspirations, 
those are things that are vulnerable things. Mm. And with, with somebody that's deeply intimate, as a marriage should be, that's the kind of stuff you talk about. With your kids, that intimacy looks different, age-appropriately sharing vulnerabilities. Yeah. Um, I saw my dad cry twice. Once was when his father passed away. And another time, something that I'd done that hurt him. Yeah. Uh, I was a high school yeah. student. The, I'll never forget those two moments. Wow. Because it's the only time I ever saw that vulnerable piece of him. Huh. Does that? Help? Yeah, yeah, so good. I love, I love the the. Fr- I've never thought of vulnerability. Vulnerability is weird because it sounds like a weak word, mm-hmm. right? It sounds like I am, I am gonna make myself weak. But the when you frame it in the terms of risk, risk is a bold word. Like, and I was I just, as you were as you were talking, I thought, man, are men. I mean, the men that I coach, they are risk takers. They are, they are bold and aggressive professionally. And as you think about it, the, as you talked about it, the women, many of the women that I know are relational risk takers. Like they're the ones who are willing to ask the hard question and pull. And so, I just, I mean, it just got me thinking about, um, is that a way for people who, because one of the things I like to do is take, how do we take competence in one area of life? A skill set. A skill set. Yeah. And transfer it. I mean, okay, so you made yourself get up at 6 a.m. every morning and go to the office and work. You can take that same discipline muscle and apply it to the gym, right? Like um, now... You're a risk taker at work. You're willing to bet on yourself. You're willing to put yourself out there. Well, why can't we take that same skill set and apply it to your relationship? And you know how I do that with guys I coach? is If if relational stuff is what we're working on, I dare them. (laughs) Oh. I dare you Mm. to invest six weeks into your marriage. I dare you. It feels so like fifth, fifth grade playground. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's but it's taking that that competitive mm, that's nature right. that's already there, and it, and I, I don't just wow. say that. No, we but stop I love that. there. I um, but do you want it or not? Uh-huh. And if you want it, you, don't give me whiny reasons why you can't get there. Yep. Um, and what's I know vulnerability does sound like a weak word, but the relation the relationships we seek, whether they're with colleagues, mm-hmm. um, deep friendships, children, spouses, whatever, cannot occur until that happens. Yeah. And that's what's dissatisfying to individuals, which why co- people come to us for coaching. Yeah. Because they're like, you know, I, I, I'm alone in life. I have tons of money, but that's it. Yeah. And money cannot do the thing that relationships do. You cannot buy that. Yeah. Um, so learning how to be appropriately vulnerable and how to deal with the risks that come with it, especially when there's history. So if we're talking about marriages that are, you know, rocky, which is a realistic part of our world, um, or difficult relationships with important others like parents, children, um, you just have to be willing to accept it is a risk. Yeah. But, but that dare at the end, even if the relationship doesn't improve, makes you a better human being, mm-hmm. which sets you up. Mm-hmm. For potentially a healthier relationship, where you know other areas, yeah. yeah, that's great, yeah. The um, 
the idea of of leaning into a relationship being risky by being vulnerable is a bold that requires a boldness and a courage and then i like i like the i dare you like because it really is like some of the things like i think people who are wired to like like to lean into the four fires like the whole thing about the four fires is that we've we've named an ideal like i was talking to my wife about this the other day is um a mother's hope for her son or a father's hope for particular for the son for the future son-in-law who is going to show up and one day like do you want him to have a profession <laughs> do you want do you want him to be struggling with money and have money be issues be like the thing or do you want him to be like not not necessarily like multimillionaire but like grounded grounded and able yeah. to be generous um well that's not a hard question do you want them to have strong healthy relationships with friends and with their spouse and kids or do you want them to be a lot no i don't want my future son-in-law to like be estranged from all you know any other male influence um do i want them you know to you know to be healthy and strong absolutely do i want them to you know have a connectedness to, to be soulful um, and be in touch with that part of their, yeah, I want all of that for my future son-in-law. I want that for my son. Like we've named this ideal ideal. And I think so many of the people who are attracted to the idea of the four fires are competitive. Once you name this ideal and put it out there, they go, well, that's what I want to be. And so we start on this journey. And so, yeah, I think there's some people, I mean, they hear it and they're like, Okay, that's nice. Go go play go play your four fires game. But um but this idea of tapping into our own competitive nature to help move us in a direction that we ultimately know we need to It's in our best interest. It's in our best interest. Um that's good. Um So let me ask this question. Um in our marriage relationships, sometimes in our coaching, we will talk about three areas uh, that are important for uh, relationships. And we'll, in, internally, we sometimes call this the, the PFL assessment, the partnership, the friendship, and then the lover. Um, that, that if you're trying to evaluate a marriage, um, there's a partnership element to it. It's what are we building together? There's a friendship element of it. It's like, can we laugh together? Can we hang out and have a drink together? And do we still do that 20 years into our marriage? And then there's an intimacy, the lover, the intimacy piece of it. Um, and so a lot of times when people say, oh, my marriage stinks. Like, I can't fix marriage stinks. But if you can name one of those three categories, um, and I think each one is maybe under attack at different stages of life. So I guess, uh, I guess my question out of that is in terms of partnership, in terms of friendship, in terms of intimacy, um, are there ever any best practices 
to drive partnership in an area? Let's just start there. Like what, where can we go for, to, to improve partnership in a relationship? Um, when you're, there's a guy named Robert Sternberg, okay. Yale University has this theory, it's called triangular theory of loving. And he okay. hypothesizes that there are three components that parallel some of what you're describing. So I may mix and match the language a bit. Love it. Um, he describes them as commitment, uh, passion, and intimacy. So the passion piece is that physical mm-hmm. component you described. The commitment sounds like the partnership piece. Um, and the intimacy piece is that sharing of self, the mm. thing, the vulnerability we've been talking about. And so you can imagine this triangle and imagine it's up on a wall and you can take a magnet. The, the mm. ideal relationship, the magnet's in the middle. So equal amount of yep. passion, cool. equal amount of commitment, equal amount of intimacy. intimacy. So when I'm doing a quick assessment on a marriage, I'm kind of in my head doing that little magnet. Yeah. So I know as I move it around, the dynamic changes as the kind of relationship and also the dynamic changes as to the risk of the relationship. So I know a relationship that's only passion, all passion, will always die. Mm-hmm. It, will never, it will never be anything else without intent. Mm-hmm. So my movie stars get married and divorced in six months. Yeah. They, you know, the physical piece was great, but there wasn't anything else to hold it up. I know those commitment people, and that's that partnership. Mm-hmm. Committed people will stay together, but they may never have intimacy. They may never have passion and so forth. So all of them have to be nurtured. Um, I was doing some research at uh, Shepherd Spinal Center for several years uh, for a book I was working on, and uh, around that same time was when Christopher Reeve was in, in the hospital, the actor who... Superman. Yeah, Yeah. broke his neck. And I I saw him and his spouse interact uh, a couple times. And even though he was physically incapable of passion, like we would Mm -hmm. think about it, they had a very passionate Mm -hmm. relationship. So it's not just sex. It's not just touching or anything. It's that that physical piece. So fixing that piece, which in the question you asked me, but developing it, you have to think way broader than than just making babies or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And the same thing would be true with the other two. That commitment, it's not just the partnership. It's not just, okay, we're married, we're stuck, or we're married, we sign a piece of paper or, or whatever. It's what is a, what is a healthy relationship of any kind look like? A partnership in a business, what does it look like? Mm-hmm. You don't just sign a piece of paper and then go about your business. Yeah. You, you plan, you think. Um, if you have a business partner and you never talk, you never look down mm-hmm. the road, you never look for weaknesses, evaluate. Yeah. Um, I do marriage retreats every once in a while. About half the group that's there is probably in trouble at some level. Yeah. Some of the people who are there are doing okay. A few of the people who are there are doing great, and that's why they're there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Does that make yep. sense? Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that, the commitment, passion, and intimacy. Um, the piece of, and, and the ideal, right, is that we, that we have all th- three, three mm-hmm. thriving. Yeah, which um, is why I said what I did about Christopher Reeve, because he was incapable mm-hmm. of what we would typically go to when we think about passion. Yeah. But just like the parenting question you asked earlier, the preponderance of your your relationship, and I'm going to talk about minutes of the day, mm. but the preponderance of your relationship with your partner should be developing 
Mm-hmm. All of those. Intimacy. Yeah. How much time do you sit and talk? If you say, oh, I get home late, they're already in bed, they get up and leave early, we visit on the way to church on Sunday or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's no way that's going to build intimacy. Mm-hmm. There, there has to be another mechanism in there someplace that can work within the system that you're kind of bound to. Mm-hmm. And not just quantity of time spent together, but it's that vul- that's where that vulnerability piece enters in. Where the correct and quantity matters, especially with children. You can't have two quality minutes a day with your kid. It's okay. a, that just won't happen. The proponents of what your kid will remember that you're gone. Gotcha. Um, with spouse, it's not quite that trite, but th- it has to be deliberate. Mm. So, as as in the evolution of my marriage over. 39 years or whatever it's been, um, the last 10 or so, we had a fixed, deliberate date night mm. that was inflexible. Yeah. I mean, nothing yep. would occupy short of an illness or sure. an emergency of some kind. So when my kids were little, we, we did that some. We didn't maintain it as well as we should have. But we had mommy-daddy night, which we would either go out or we would sit at the kitchen table, kids watch a Mm-hmm. VHS, if you remember the old days, <laughs> and they weren't, you know, they come and ask us something. It's mommy, daddy time. Yep. We'll be free in a few minutes. Yeah. So we weren't super consistent about it, but those it is those sorts of things that help build it. And I I could see it in my relationship as we would start to Pull. drift away from some of those healthy habits. I could feel that distance. Yeah. And if I let myself, it would have been easy just to pour into a book, pour into a. Yeah. A project I'm working, a case I'm working, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wouldn't it be great if we could step on a uh, marriage scale, just like you can step on a, uh, like on a scale, a bathroom scale to measure? You know, oh, looks like I put on a couple pounds in well, my marriage. Actually, we can. Okay. Um, it's not exactly that, but there's another guy. His name's Gottman who runs Gottman Institute. Mm-hmm. I first heard about this guy years and years ago. I think he was on Oprah Winfrey or something. I saw a commercial for it. And the teaser line was, this guy says he can assess a marriage in 15 minutes and tell you whether it's going to fail or not. And I thought, oh, this is some snake oil salesman. But it turns out he and his research assistants did intense, very good research methodology studies of a whole host of things that go into relationships, okay. H- how you look at each other, the tone that you use, words that you use. And this was all quantified. It was yeah. amazing research. And the fact is, uh, somebody who knows what they're doing, like a Gottman-trained marriage counselor, can huh. weigh, weigh your marriage Wow! and tell you. Um, kind of like the three pieces from Sternberg yeah. that I do, uh, this, this is a sinking ship. We've yeah. got we to bail fast. Yeah. Was was that was that the guy who did the the research about the eye roll? Like yes. that it was like eye roll is a sign yes. of contempt. Contempt. That's yeah. in fact that word is what he calls the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Ooh. Do you, um, do you what are those? Um I'm not gonna remember all four of them. Stonewalling is one. Uh contempt. I, I'm not gonna remember all yeah, four off the top no, of my head, so but good. um but that's why he calls them the four horsemen of the apocalypse. If you don't know that phrase, it's from the Bible. It's the second coming of Christ. The world is over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that's exactly where that came from. And you asked the question, what can we do to, to develop? And you mentioned the partnership piece. But with all three of those pieces, that's part of that intentionality, knowing mm-hmm. when you do it. Uh, I'll tattle on myself a bit. My, I, I had no model for how to be a husband because— 
I just wasn't there. Yeah. Now, my dad was, I think, a good husband, but not in today's kind of measure of that. So I didn't realize for years early in our relationship how I sounded Mm. to my spouse mm. and she would she told me once or twice i don't think she'd mind me saying this she said don't talk to me like i'm a student oh interesting i didn't know i was and even though she said it to me it didn't i, I didn't get it yeah. I, I didn't hear it and if i'd been a wiser person at the time i probably would have invested a little more energy into oh what you just told me sounds mm-hmm. like i need to change something mm-hmm. when i finally did get it through my thick head that's when amazing growth happened growth in mm-hmm. myself mm-hmm. as well as in growth in that relationship yeah yeah gosh uh introspection like like we can't see where our shortcomings are i i, I wrestled with this as well like you know I, I show up at work all day long and what i do is i coach people and i help them but um Coaching in the absence of a quick uh, commitment quickly becomes nagging. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's important that I not go home and be Coach Allen, mm-hmm. you know. So that and so maybe, that, maybe that's a conversation. Maybe that's a vulnerability conversation I need to have. Is uh, ask Allison, do I do this? Um, well, and that's part of that intentionality. You know, oh, mm-hmm. I realize what I sound like, or am I... Or I don't realize what I sound like. Yeah, yeah. or am, am I improving? You know, things better to, to change that literally for months when I would come home from work. Once I realized that, I literally would say to myself, I'd approach, you know, where I lived, um, positive talk, positive huh. language, building upwards, building upwards. I literally said it out loud to myself in the truck yeah. because I had to undo that history of self because we are a culmination yeah. of our history yeah yeah and then so the recognizing the pieces of our history that we don't want to continue and press forward and take like you said taking intentional action um to to put some resolution yeah. or to, to make some change in that space um well greg i i really really appreciate you taking some time to just share a little bit of your expertise and of your um, experiences in in coaching and then in counseling, um, and uh, I think uh, I think getting this, figuring out the people fire, the ability to to read and understand human behavior, maybe starting with ourselves, <laughs> is a yeah. uh, is an important piece to to this whole formula for winning at life. So um, we will absolutely have you back on at some point and uh, and maybe dig into more granular and specific topics. Uh, if any of you are interested in hearing more specifics on uh, um, any area of the four fires, but uh, specifically in the people fire with Greg, um, type those in the in the comments section. We'd love to hear your thoughts. So that does it for our time today on the Four Fires podcast. Uh, we are we are grateful for our time and for the uh, Four Fires nation out there who is committed to growing and living intentionally. So go live intentionally, and uh, we'll see you in the next episode of the Four Fires podcast. <laughs>